Judges 13, our introduction to Samson. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God, very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will become pregnant, have a son, and now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from the womb until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I beg to let the man of God you sent us to come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife, and when he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is it to be the rule that governs the boy life and work? And the angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or any other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything that I have commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord replied, Even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering to the Lord, Manoah at that time did not realize that this was an angel of the Lord, but prepare a burnt offering. And then Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that we may have honor that we may honor you when your word comes true. He replied, Why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. And then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on the rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. But his wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things now that he told us this. And the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in these locations, Manoah, Dan, between Zorah and Esco. Uh, John, uh, John read our text for today, Judges uh, 13, the beginning of the story of uh, Samson, and um, quite an amazing story. Um, out of all the stories in the Bible, this is one of those ones that captures the imagination the best. Uh, 
man of great strength and a man of great ability used greatly by God and yet uh, maybe the most deeply flawed person in the Bible, the most uh, compromised, uh, the most compromised person that God works with, everything he does is wrong, everything he does is selfish, and yet God makes something beautiful come out of it. And uh, that is uh, the power of our God and the greatness of our God. Um, so let me give you the uh, conclusion to conclusion to the uh, service and the conclusion to the, the passage first. Why in the world uh, does the Holy Spirit put this book in the Bible? He, the Holy Spirit, I think, puts this book in the Bible, and you have to ask, why is it there? It seems to be so ridiculous and uh, such ridiculous things happen. And the people who should be champions for God seem to have the greatest flaws. Uh, what are we supposed to learn from that? And uh, here's why I think the Holy Spirit puts it in the Bible. Here's why. Flawed judges using imperfect saving techniques produce an imperfect temporary salvation. Flawed judges find out that Samson sleeps with a prostitute. That's flawed. Flawed judges using sinful salvation techniques. He kills people just because he's mad. That's sinful salvation technique. Produce a temporary salvation. God's people are saved, but just from physical threats. So, God sends a perfect Savior who uses flawless saving techniques even though he is punished by sinful men and he produces a perfect permanent, eternal salvation. That's how it fits together. The Holy Spirit goes, if you want a human being to save you, this is the salvation that you get. It's not very good. So I will send my son, and he will be mocked and betrayed, but he will be loving kind and true and faithful and he will be a sacrifice which will produce a perfect, permanent, eternal salvation. Um, beautiful way it all fits together. This uh, story begins with the Israelites once again doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this is a book in which everyone does what is right in their own eyes just like today's world. When it comes right down to it, today's world, the, the, the final arbiter of what is good or wrong is every individual. And when every individual gets to decide what is right or wrong, it's disaster. And what really matters is what you do in the eyes of the Lord. That's why, that's why we're Christians. That's why we're here today. 
We think that what we do matters to God and how we live before God is important. And uh, in the book of Judges, they don't care about that. And so they once again do evil in the eyes of the Lord. God gives them over to the Philistines. That's verse 1, first time we see the Philistines. They are a people who have come to, to Palestine by the sea. They have settled on the coast, which is the very best land. They have five main cities. One of those cities is Gaza, and the Gaza Strip is where the Philistines had a lot of their territory. Beautiful place, should be a very prosperous place. Today it's not. It could be. Wonderful place for ports, right on the sea, great place to grow crops. That's where the Philistines were. And they pummeled Israel. And they had Israel under their thumb, and they took advantage of them. They, they demanded tribute from them. They would not let them use uh, metal materials. They could not have a blacksmith. So if they wanted to have any iron work done, they, the Israelites had to go to Philistines to get it. And uh, real, very hard on the Israelites. And, and in the rest of the book of Judges, as you read about how terrible things get, all you'll see that the people cry out to the Lord. Lord, help us. But by the time we get to Samson, the spirituality of Israel is so low, they don't even pray. The cycle is broken. They don't even pray and ask for help anymore. Now God gives them the help. That's His grace and His mercy. His people aren't even praying for him. That's how far away they are. But he sends an angel, and he's going to help, and he's going to start with a woman. And this woman's going to give birth to a son, even though she is barren and has no children. And the woman comes and meets, and the, and the angel comes and meets with the woman. Point number one. This fits into the canon because we have a perfect Savior, not a flawed judge. Point number two. One of the common problems in the book of Judges is the cheapness of human life. You're going to see that in the story of Samson. The cheapness of human life. A judge that we did not cover, his name is Jephthah. Jephthah won a great victory for Israel. But he did not ask the tribe of Ephraim to come and help him. And so Ephraim met with Jephthah and said, Why didn't you call us to help you? Because you didn't call us, we're going to kill you and burn down your house. And I thought, how ridiculous is that? They're so upset that Jephthah doesn't call them to ask them to help, they're going to kill him. That's the cheapness of human life. We just get mad. Somehow we feel slighted. So what are we going to do? We're going to kill you. By the way, that will happen over and over again in the story of Samson. The cheapness of human life. I believe we live in those days today. The cheapness of human life. Um, there was a time ago the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo was the most dangerous country in the world. I, I don't think it's the most dangerous anymore. I think... I think now it's Venezuela. <laughs> it was the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was reading an article in the newspaper 
And as uh, people were moving about ac across the country, you would come to roadblocks and brigands would just block the road. And when you came to the roadblock, they would say, give us two American dollars or, or we'll kill you. Do you know what you do? You give them two American dollars. <laughs> but how crazy is that? A human life is worth two bucks. And if you don't give them two bucks, they just kill you. It, it, like, it's, it's just crazy. We live in a crazy world. That's, that's the book of Judges. Everyone does what's right in their eyes, and if you slight somebody, they'll kill you. The Samson's going to get married, and uh, he has a riddle, and he makes a wager. If you don't know the riddle, you have to give me a new suit of clothes. And this with, he, he makes this bet with 30 people. They can't figure out the riddle. So they go to his fiance and they say, tell us the riddle or we'll kill you and we'll kill your father and we'll burn down your house. Your life is worth a new set of clothes. Of course, Samson gets so mad after she gives up the riddle he goes out and kills 30 people. <laughs> Cheapness of human life. Um, if I can apply it to ourselves in Canada, we live in cheapness of human life. If you are an unborn baby, you're not worth anything. If the mother doesn't want you, you're trash. That's cheapness of human life. You've got no value whatsoever. Uh, we, live in a, we live in a world where language, the language you use for other people is, 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 is severe. Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not kill. How many of you have heard that before? You shall not kill. Okay, you're liars. You've all heard it. Basic rule, you can't kill somebody else. <laughs> You've heard it said, you shall not kill. Write the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder. But Jesus says, but I say unto you, anyone who is angry with his brother, or anyone who says raka to his brother, idiot, or anyone who says fool, because it means you don't care about people. You care about yourself. So you can get angry over the most ridiculous things with other people. You can call them names. And uh, you can call them severe names. Because you care nothing about them. They're meaningless. That's a problem in the book of Judges. I don't know what point I'm on, but we'll do this point next. Can't get too excited when you preach. Uh, this, this, chapter, this chapter includes the Trinity, an unusual chapter in the Old Testament to have all three members of the Godhead. Uh, you see that uh, they do what is wrong and they, they do evil in the eyes of the Lord, God the Father. So he gives them over to Philistines and God the Father decides to save his people. So he sends the angel of the Lord 
to go and announce to Manoah's wife that he, she will have a son. The angel of the Lord is the preborn Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here is the Son of God coming as the angel of the Lord, and he is telling her, you will have salvation. The Lord will provide it, and you will have a son. Beautiful to see the Son of God interacting with human beings before he comes as a little baby. And at the end of the chapter, as, as the child Samson is born and he begins to grow up, the Holy Spirit begins to move in his life and begins to move him to save God's people. The Trinity. And I love that because the Trinity the Trinity's involved in saving people, and that's why you're saved here today. God the Father came up with the plan to save you. He did that from eternity past. And he came up with a plan to save you. And so he tapped his son on the shoulder. And he said, you go. And the Son of God came into this world according to the Father's plan to effect salvation for you. And he died on the cross. And he paid for your sins. And the Father was satisfied. Oh, that's a beautiful salvation. But it still didn't help you until the Holy Spirit came and he tapped on your little heart and he opened it up to the message of salvation so that you responded and then the, the Holy Spirit came in, regenerated you and the Holy Spirit did wonderful things in your heart and your life. That's the Trinity involved in your salvation. It's exciting. You see it with Samson and it happens again in your life with the perfect salvation. Okay, now where am I at? Number, okay. Let's look at our text. Uh, verse 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You're barren and childless. By the way, notice, hello, nice to meet you. That would be a nice greeting. This is, hello, barren woman. <laughs> uh, you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink. I translated that as beer. Don't drink no wine or beer. And do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. The boy is to be a Nazarite. And three times in the text, it said he's going to be a Nazarite. Don't ever cut his hair. He should never drink alcoholic beverages. And he must be, unclean, I mean, he must be clean all his life. Never be around a dead body. Never eat unclean food. That's a big deal. It's such a big deal. This Savior is so important, Samson, that his mother has to follow all of the rules. From the time he is conceived, he is going to be set apart to God, and he is going to be clean for God, and he is going to be God's chosen person. And that will be shown by the way his mother lives her life, and then by the way he lives his life. And if you follow the Samson story... This man who should be clean is never clean. Uh, 
you can never eat, you never eat grapes, you can't eat raisins, you can't eat the seeds of raisins, you can't drink grape juice, you can't drink wine, you can't drink beer. Eating unclean things means you can never go into a Gentile's house and have a meal with them because there is unclean food. The purpose is that he's supposed to be separated to God, and you're supposed to be you're able to see that he's separated to God by the way he lives his life. This is shown most most uh, most easily by the fact that he never cuts his hair. At the same time that this is happening, there is another little boy who is also a Nazarite, and his name's Samuel. And Samuel is a Nazarite also from a small child, and he never cuts his hair, and he never eats unclean things. He follows all the rules. Samson does not follow the rules. Chapter 14. I'm just going to run through all the ways he breaks the rules. He sees a Philistine woman, and he wants to marry her. So he goes to a party in a Philistine town. He kills a lion and eats food from the carcass of the lion. He's not allowed to touch an un a dead body. He then kills 30 Philistines for their clothing, again touching a dead body. He then ties together 300 foxes by their tails. Foxes are unclean animals. He should not be touching them. He then kills the Philistines who attack him, again breaking his, breaking his vow. Every time he's in the presence of a dead body, he's supposed to shave off his head, shave off his head at the tabernacle and start over. He kills a thousand Philistines with a fresh jawbone of an ass. That's kind of like a, a thousand and one ways to break your vow. <laughs> he's then with a prostitute in Gaza. He's then with Delilah. And finally, he allows his head to be, he allows someone to cut off the hair of his head, which should only be done at the tent of the tabernacle. He's never clean. <laughs> never. If I can contrast that to Jesus. This is, this is also a big deal in the story of Jesus, clean and unclean. And the difference is, is that in the presence of Jesus, even what is unclean is made clean because he's the very son of God. He himself does not break the rules. But when there is a person who is a leper, who is an unclean person, Jesus will touch that person. And rather than Jesus become unclean, the leper becomes healed and clean. Jesus can meet with a woman who is not a Jew and actually receive a drink from her, asking to drink out of her very vessel, which he should never do. doesn't matter. You can't make Jesus unclean. What ends up happening? He makes her clean by giving her living water. happens over and over again, the story of Jesus. What should make him unclean, because he is very God, he makes us clean. Uh, it's, it's funny, Muslims have to pray five times a day. And before they pray five times a day, they have to wash. And they have all these elaborate ways of washing themselves. 
and, and having what they call ablutions. And before they pray, they have to do that. And it's quite rigorous and onerous. And, so, and a lot of Muslims don't pray because of that reason. They get tired of washing that much. And so they meet Canadians and North Americans, and they think of us as dirty people. <laughs> right? They think of us as dirty people because we don't keep ourselves clean and we don't wash the way they do. And it's a big deal for Muslims. Before they can pray to God, they have to make themselves clean so that then they can pray. But you want to know why you don't have to do that? Because Jesus really makes you clean. Because water on the hands can't clean you. Only blood off the cross can clean you. And the blood off the cross makes you clean so that you can come into the presence of God. That's beautiful. That's why Christianity is different than these other religions. The other religions are external things. You have to change yourself and you have to clean yourself. And we believe it's only Jesus Christ and what he does on the cross that makes you clean to be able to come into the presence of God and come before God. And unless you come through Jesus, you're not clean. I don't care how much you wash your hands. It doesn't work. Okay, I'm getting far afield. Back to Samson. Three times in the text it talks about him being a Nazarite, being clean. Look at verse 6. The woman went to her husband, told him, a man of God came to me. Looked like, an, looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. She's very astute spiritually. Her husband is not. It's one of the major themes in the pet chapter. I, if we have time, I hope to get there at the end. Verse 8, Manoah prayed to the Lord, Send the man of God back, please so that he can tell us the rule of his life. Verse 9, God heard Manoah. The angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. Her husband Manoah was not with her. The woman hurried to her husband. He's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up, followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who talked to my wife? You could also translate that. Are you the man who talked to the woman? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord answered, your wife, wife must do all that I've told you. Takes us to verse 17. Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that we may honor you when your word comes true? He replied, why do you ask my name? It is beyond understanding. Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering, sacrificed it on the rock to the Lord, and the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. It's funny, they asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? And he says, it is beyond understanding. And there are a number of ways you can translate that. You could translate it, it's too difficult. Or it's too wonderful. Or it's strange. 
Um, for instance, when Abraham and Sarah received the visitors from heaven, and the Lord says, "Angel, I mean, Sarah's going to have a son. Sarah laughs. And God responds, Is there anything too hard? Anything too difficult for the Lord? It's the same word. Anything too hard for the Lord? Anything too, for too, too difficult? The name's too difficult. It's too wonderful. It's beyond understanding. This week I was playing uh, tennis. I was playing tennis with uh, a Chinese Chinese man, uh, Canadian Chinese, and his six-year-old son was there, also Canadian Chinese. And uh, I said I said to the boy, I was a little afraid that he maybe thought I was too overweight to be playing tennis. So I said to him, I said, I've been working on my stomach muscle. And the boy said, really? I said, yes. I said, come over here and, 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 and pat it. So he came over and he patted it, and he goes, that is really hard. <laughs> he goes, that's unbelievable. He says, let me, let me punch that. And I said, oh, yeah, go ahead and punch it. And he punched it, and he goes, man, that's, that's incredible. He goes, Dad, this guy's got the hardest stomach. And I said to him, I said, I said your name's Austin, is that right? He said, yeah, my name's Austin. I said, and your last name's Wu. He said, yeah, my last name's Wu. I said, I know your mom. I said, but I don't, what's, what's her last name? And he said, her last name's Liao. And I said, her last name's Liao? He said, no, Liao. And I said, Liao? He said, no. Like Niao, but with a L. I said, oh, Liao. He said, yeah, that's it. He said, uh, I, he said, uh, uh, he said uh, I love Chinese. I said, that's great. I said, I love Chinese food. <laughs> and so he goes to me. He says a word in Chinese. And then he goes, that's apple. <laughs> and then he proceeded to teach me Chinese words for food. Because <laughs> he heard I love Chinese food. Uh, it's, it's funny. That, that's happened to me so often trying to say Chinese names. The names are too hard for me. <laughs> I can't say them, <laughs> and uh, it's even hard to hear them properly, to say them properly, and uh, that's what the angel of the Lord says to Manoah, what is your name? It's too difficult, and really he means it's so difficult because it's so wonderful. Now, here's what makes it so difficult. We're talking about the Son of God. And if I were to say to you, what's the name of the Son of God, you would say, Jesus. And you, of course, would be wrong. <laughs> Jesus is the name given to the Son of God when he's born as a baby. What do you call him before he's born? He's not Jesus yet. He's not born. Right? This gets complicated. <laughs> That's why John... In John chapter 1 says, he doesn't say Jesus was with God. He doesn't say in the beginning was Jesus. What does he say? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He realizes it's, it's 
anachronistic to say Jesus because that's not his name yet. This is the second person of the Trinity. Uh, we don't know his name. You know why? It's too difficult. <laughs> it's too wonderful. It's like you trying to learn Chinese. <laughs> you can't do it. That's his name. Too difficult, too wonderful, the second person of the Trinity. Wow. If you notice, if you're still looking at your text there, verse 18, why do you ask my name? It's beyond understanding or too difficult or too wonderful. And then the Lord did an amazing thing, and that word for amazing thing, as it's the exact same word for too difficult or wonderful. It's the exact same word. What is your name? It's too wonderful. And then he does a wonderful thing. As the fire goes up on the offering, the angel of the Lord steps into the flame, and he's gone. Manoah falls, Manoah and his wife fall down. They've both seen it. God has revealed himself to them in amazing ways. And Manoah says, we're doomed to die. We've seen God. But his wife answers. She's spiritually ahead of him. If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have shown us all these things or told us these things. She gets it. He said, you're gonna, he said, he said we're going to have a, a son. He's not going to kill us. He said our son's going to begin to deliver Israel. He's not going to kill us. He's just accepted our offering and shown us these wonderful things. He's not going to kill us. Uh, for those of you who are married, one of the blessings of being married is that you've got somebody to help you. And one of the major points of this chapter is that Manoah is spiritually dense and his wife is spiritually astute and yet he is a typical man from his day who thinks very little of his wife. And uh, yet if he could just stop and listen to her, wow, she's got it all together. And maybe the Lord has given you a wife who is spiritually astute, and you should listen to her. Um, that can make for some nice conversations around the dinner table today. <laughs> Remember what Pastor Dave said, you have to listen to me. Uh, but thank God, thank God when you get married, uh, there are two of you. And uh, where one of you is weak, the other one can be strong. And that, that's part of the beauty of, of marriage. And uh, a lot of times you just need to stop and listen to your spouse, be it husband or wife, and uh, listen to what God has to say to you through them. And uh, Manoah, thank God he's got this woman who isn't even named in the text. And I think the writer of Scripture doesn't name her so that you will see that she is thought very lightly of so that you will get the sense. Uh, she, she's, she's considered second class but she's not second class at all. God doesn't treat her that way. That takes us back to where we started. God's going to save his people. And so he begins to do that. 
through a woman who's going to give birth to a son. The difference is that Samson, his task is to begin to save his people. And Mary will give birth to a son. He won't begin to save us. He'll finish the job. 